Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. Everybody remember John the the Baptist? The first Baptist ever, right? John the Baptist, John the Baptizer. Uh, John the Baptist is, is the man that was the forerunner for Jesus, and he was baptizing people for their repentance, right? People would, would come into the kingdom, they would confess their sins, and, and John would baptize them in the river. And he says this, everybody say, in the river, right? So he wasn't baptizing them with the river right? He was baptizing them in the river. So he says this about his baptism. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance. Other words, for the turning, the changing of your mind, the the turning from your sin. But after me will come one who is more powerful than I. Now people were starting to think that John the Baptist was the Messiah. They were starting to think he's Jesus. He's like, no, listen, I'm baptizing you with water But the one who's coming after me is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Everybody say, with fire. So so the baptism that we get when we come to Jesus, we confess our sins, that's a baptism of repentance. That's a baptism into Jesus. But he says this, that Jesus actually has another kind of baptism for you. He has a baptism of fire. Now, that word with there is actually not in the original language. We've done that to kind of help ourselves. But really, it should be read like this. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So the baptism in fire is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Are you guys with me? The word baptize actually means this, immerse. Immerse. So baptism means that you're absolutely submerged. That means every part of you gets wet. Y'all okay? That's the actual Greek language. So if someone says, well, yeah, were you dabbed baptism or were you dunked baptism? Well, we believe in dunking because the word means immerse. If someone gets, we're not going to say that it's not legit if someone dabs water on you, right? But, but we can dab water on you, but we will, Nathan. We, 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 but what we believe is we believe that, that God wants to immerse us. And, and that's a picture of who, when we come to God, we are immersed in God, right? We're not just touched by God. We're immersed in God. So he says this. He says, he will baptize you. He will immerse you with fire. We will be absolutely immersed in fire. Now, that's kind of scary. Now, we know that he's speaking figuratively here. Listen. And so Jesus comes on the earth. He preaches. He does his ministry. Jesus dies, rises from the dead, and is on the earth for 40 days. Right? You guys know this, right? So after Jesus was resurrected, the story wasn't over there. He walked around the earth, he taught, he did miracles, all this kind of stuff for 40 days. And he says this before he ascends into heaven. He didn't die again, right? So from that point, he ascended into heaven. So right before his ascension, this is what he says in Acts chapter one. You guys with me? He says this, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. And he was talking about Luke chapter 24, verse 49, where he talks about the gift of the Father, which is the gift, Jesus said, of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is a gift. 
The Holy Spirit is not a, uh, something that we want to ignore. Some people think the Holy Spirit is a gift that you have that you put in a closet and you never pull it out or you stick it up in the attic and you don't talk about it because he's like the weird uncle that only shows up at holidays. How many of you know that if the Father gives you a gift, it's an eternal gift. It's a gift we should use every day. And so he says this in verse 5. He says, for John baptized with water, but in just a few days, Jesus is referencing what John the Baptist was talking about, but in just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So he's like, John's been baptizing people in water. It's great. He talked about me baptizing people in the Holy Ghost. He said, my father promised that you would get the Holy Spirit. And in just a few days, 10 days from now, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So they're like, awesome. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, no, that's not for the times or dates. But my father has sent by his own authority. And I believe that Jesus is talking about the second return, when Jesus returns on the earth to set up his physical kingdom on the earth. Verse 8, he says, but you will receive power. Everybody say power. Yeah. Say power. power. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. What is he talking about? The baptism of the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Everyone say be. be. My witnesses. So he says this, the Holy Spirit will come on you. It's a gift of the Father, and you'll be a witness. You'll become a witness. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the end of the earth. In other words, he's saying, listen, I'm going to empower you, and you're going to become my witness all over the earth. You're going to start here and you're going to go out. It's going to be like a flame is going to pour on you and then it's going to pour out on you, out of you into the nations of the earth. How many of y'all think that sounds like fun? I want in on that. Right? Then he says this, the next chapter. Now, this is Luke who wrote the book of Luke, wrote the book of Acts. So at that time, Jesus ascends to heaven. He tells them this. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. You're going to preach the gospel. People are going to get saved. You're going to do this stuff I've been doing. You're going to cast out demons. You're going to heal sick people. All this stuff's going to happen. And they're like, yeah, Lord, yeah. And then he goes, he like floats up to heaven like Iron Man or something. Just, you know, uh, you know, it's just like just launches up into heaven. And they're like, Lord. And they're all like discouraged. But he told them, he said, you wait for Jerusalem. So they're waiting in Jerusalem and they have a 10-day prayer meeting. They go to this place called the upper room and they're up in this room. And the day of Pentecost, now we're going to talk about Pentecost in just a minute. The word Pentecost is in the Bible, right? I know you that, are, that you thought that Pentecost was just about some lady with a bun on her head, <laughs> right? Pointing her bony finger at you, telling you not to go to bowling alleys. I know that that's... We're going to talk about Pentecost in just a minute. So it says this, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Everybody say they were together. The um, one translation says that they were all in one accord. So if anyone ever asks what kind of car the disciples drove, accord. All right. They were all, eh. I know. That's a terrible preacher joke. And I said, I'm not going to say that joke today. I said that when I was preparing. I'm not going to say that joke today because it's terrible. It's a bad joke. you got an accord, right? Yeah, and y'all are all in one accord when you come. Praise the Lord. All right, so 
It's, it's, it's so bad. All church vans should be called Accords, right? They should just pull off the... Anyway. All right. Verse 2. Let's move along. This is getting bad. All right. Suddenly... Okay, so they were together, and then suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. The whole house. Wind, tornado, sirens. Fills the place where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire, little flames on people's head that separated and came to rest on each of them. And then it says this in verse 4, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. John's baptism was on the outside. You got dunked in. Then you get filled. Jesus' baptism comes from the inside out and pours out of you and goes out. So when you got saved you were, and you get baptized, you get baptized in... The Holy Spirit baptizes through you. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. All right, so check it out. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. How did they speak in tongues? Because someone taught them? No, it's as the Spirit enabled them, as the Spirit gave them an unction. We'll talk about tongues in a minute. So then it says this in verse 14, then Peter... Now, you guys remember Peter, who was like, the last time we see Peter, he was denying Jesus. Right? Before the rooster code. He was like, he was making all these mistakes. So then it says this in verse, Peter, that Peter stands up. Of all the disciples, Peter stands up with the 11, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. And then he starts quoting the scripture, a prophecy, from Acts chapter 2, verse 28. He says, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. What happens is everybody thinks they're drunk because they're like having this prayer meeting. Well, they were drunk. They just weren't drunk as they supposed because it was early in the morning. But they were, fi- they were like, they were, they were on something, uh-huh. right? Yeah. I mean, they were, it was crazy up in there. You know, they were Pentecostals, right? So everybody's accusing them of being drunk. Peter's like, they're not drunk as you suppose, but this is that spoken by the prophet Joel. Joel, in the last days, everybody say last days. Get it, get this. We're living in the last days right now. You say, oh no, people have been saying that for years. We've been living in the last days since this moment. Understand that when God says days, he doesn't mean a 24 hour period. When God says days, he speaks of eras right? We had the era of Abraham, remember? There was an era of Abraham where there's no law or anything. And then we had the era of Moses and the law, that era, right? Then we have this small era, the life of Jesus on the earth. And then we have the last days era, the church on the earth, right? Filled with who? The Holy Spirit. So Jesus came and showed us what it looks like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he says, in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit. He gave us the spirit for the last days. Now, I know it's been 2,000 years, but for God, that's a short amount of time. That's like two days for God. We are living in the last days. We are living in the last era. Has that era ended yet? Well, no, because Jesus hasn't returned. So the last days will end when Jesus returns on the earth. So we are still living. So people say, all oh, that stuff passed away with the Bible, right? Cessationalism. So they believe that 
cessationist, right? They believe all the things have ceased. They passed away. But wait a second. We're still living in the last days because it says right here in Acts chapter 2, in the last days I'll pour out my spirit. That's when it started. That was not the fulfillment of that scripture. That was the beginning. Because Peter stands up and starts preaching to people. They start prophesying. They're speaking in tongues. People are getting healed. All the stuff that Jesus did, the disciples are now doing. Why? Because they were living in the last days. Guess what? In the book of Acts, there's no amen at the end of the book. We're still writing the book of Acts now. We're still in the last days. Well, aren't we, why are we healing the sick? Why are we? Because we are not functioning in the baptism and the baptism of fire that God gave us through the Holy Spirit. The reason, listen, I'll just be real with you. The reason why we don't see more miracles, the reason why you're not prophesying, the reason why you don't speak in tongues is not because God's not doing that. It's not because God doesn't want to do those things through you. It's not that God doesn't want to give you the gifts. He wants to give you the gifts. The reason why we're not functioning as the gifts of the Spirit is because we're not full of the Spirit. I'm not slapping your hand. I'm just saying it's available. How much do you want to drink? Um, now Pentecost, I mentioned it before, you know, when we we hear that word, we kind of freak out, right? I I am a Pentecostal because I've experienced this thing that the disciples experienced in Acts chapter two. And I'm going to talk about that experience in just a little bit. I want to share that with you. But Pentecostalism has nothing to do with how much makeup you wear, whether it's too much which we've seen, or too little, which we've seen also. That's zero to do with it. When we talk about Pentecost, we're talking about an experience. Pentecost, the word Pentecost means this, 50. That's weird. Why don't we just call it 50? I don't know. But it means 50. Pentecost is 50 days after Passover. When did Jesus die? Jesus died on Passover. So 50 days after that, 40 days after that, Jesus ascends into heaven. 10 days later, on the feast of Pentecost, which we're going to talk about that in just a little bit more, that's when the baptism of the Holy Spirit was poured out. It's very, God is very strategic in the way he does things. So there's three feasts that were very crucial to a Jew at the time. Okay? The first feast, feast was Passover, right? This is when the children of Israel were released from Egypt. Remember, they wiped the blood over the doors, Passover. They got out of Egypt. How many of you know that when you came to Jesus, you got out of slavery? Yeah. Right? God brought you out to bring you in. Right? We celebrate Easter on Passover. So Passover speaks of our salvation. It speaks of our rescue. Then you have this thing called Pentecost. Right? Another feast that they celebrated. Well, that was remembering what happened on Mount Sinai. Do you guys remember what happened on Mount Sinai? So they leave Egypt. They go to the desert. What happens on Mount Sinai? Moses goes up. God gives him these, the laws, right? Not just the Ten Commandments, but all this stuff that the children of Israel are supposed to do, right? And then there's a third feast is the Feast of Tabernacles. And that's where Jesus stood up and he said, hey, um, I will put in you a well of living water. So these were the three feasts. And I believe that Passover speaks of our salvation. Pentecost speaks of our being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Feast of Tabernacles speaks of the return of the Lord. 
So I believe spiritually we are in the Pentecost season. It's never ended. It's never, yeah, it hasn't ended yet. So remember, you guys remember Mount Sinai when Moses goes up? Because we're talking about Pentecost, so we want to reference that. Are you all right? Remember that? God's presence was accompanied, and you can look at this in Exodus chapter 19. God's presence had fire, smoke, and the sound of thunder. At Pentecost, there was sound of wind, tongues of fire, and the gift of tongues. So we see all this stuff happen right here. It's a parallel. God's saying, remember Sinai? This is what it looks like now. This is what it looks like in the new covenant. The Torah on Mount Sinai became the teacher. After Pentecost, the Holy Spirit becomes our teacher. Right? Under the law, you had external commands. Under the new covenant, we have internal relational leadership of the Holy Spirit. So God's not going, do this, do this, do this. He puts his spirit in us. It bears witness. And he is, scripture actually says that he writes his word on our hearts. In the old covenant, he wrote it on stones. In the new covenant, he writes his desire on our heart. Relationship. Law was written on stones, spirit on hearts. On Mount, remember on Mount Sinai, if you guys remember this story, God gave, God was up there talking to Moses, all this conversation is happening. Everybody, you remember he comes back and his face is glowing. We've talked about that story quite a bit. And when he comes back down off the mountain, all the people had created idols and they were worshiping the idols because we're created to worship. And so they didn't have anything to worship. So they're like, well, Moses is God. Let's just be like the other religions of the world and let's worship. So they made golden statues and they're worshiping them, right? Moses shows up and he's like, what is, what are you guys, I was gone for like 10 minutes and you guys are already making idols, right? Guess what happened? 3,000 people died. On Pentecost, preacher, Peter stands up, Peter, Peter, stands up and preaches, 3,000 people get saved. Right there in the moment. See, Pentecost speaks of a second experience. A sec, everybody say a second experience in the journey of God's people. So God has a journey for you. He has a plan for you. You're saved. Awesome. There's another experience. See, most people, they end there. I love Jesus. Oh, God loves me. I'm his. Awesome. You're going to heaven. Praise God. But there is another experience. There is a Pentecost experience awaiting you in your journey with God. And God doesn't want you to live without it. You say, oh, man, I don't know. I don't know. I've always heard that all of that kind of comes whenever you get saved, you, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, that's actually not true. Check this out. Paul, now Paul ends up getting saved, gets filled with the Holy Spirit. Later on in the book of Acts, he's, he, he shows up, and there's some disciples there. It's actually a group of 12 disciples, another group of disciples. And he tells them this in Acts chapter 19. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. I think that's kind of like right now, we don't hear a lot about the Holy Spirit in church today, right? It's like we show up in church, we start talking about the Holy Spirit, and everybody's like getting all nervous. Talk about Holy Spirit. And I kind of feel like even today, even in our church, which we're pretty spirit-filled, we, we really emphasize the Spirit. I think today I'm like talking about the Holy Spirit, and some of y'all are getting nervous. Well, we haven't even really talked about the Holy Spirit. We're not really even sure where you stand on these issues. Well, if you go through the deeper track, you would know that we believe in these things. 
But you're getting all like freaked out. Oh, I'm talking about speaking in tongues. Do y'all do it? Yes, yes. We want all. If it's in the Bible, we want it. Let it end. So he says this. Did you receive since you believe? We didn't even know. Holy Spirit. I, just, I got my Bible in Jesus. That's all I need. No wonder you're functioning at such a low level of power. If someone came to me and they said, Pastor Josh, if you came to me and you said, Pastor Josh, can you explain the baptism of the Holy Spirit in one word? The baptism of fire in one word, the word would be this, more. What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? You have one word, write a blog, more. The Holy Spirit's activity in our life is for more. You can expect, when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you can experience more. I'm just, I'm kind of like just done in my relationship with God. Like I, I, I got connected to the Lord. I'm saved. I'm good. God has more for you. Pentecost speaks of the more. Salvation was great. These guys were saved for like 40 days. 50 days. They wanted more. And guess what God did? He gave them more. When, listen, the more you want, the more you'll get. It's just, it's like when you watch basketball or something like that, or MMA, whatever sport you watch, and then you're watching those teams, and you see a team that's not as qualified as the other team, and you watch them playing harder, and what do we say? They just want it more. That's the same way in your walk with Jesus. You can stay where you're at, or you can have more. He's going to give you as much as you want. The problem is a lot of times we only want what we can contain. Lord doesn't want to give you what you can contain. He wants to bust. He wants to flow out of you. Amen. Come on. So what can we expect? What kind of more can we expect? And let me just say this about the baptism of the Holy Spirit because this is what happens. Um, we tend to think once we experience this thing that we call Pentecost or the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we tend to think that we're better than others. It don't make you better than others. It makes you better than you. The baptism of the Holy Spirit makes you better than you. You must decrease. So what can you expect? First of all, you can expect more tangibles. There was wind, shaking, fire, tongues, prophecy, miracle, all this stuff. The gifts of the Holy Spirit were activated on the day of Pentecost. You say, well, I'm not... I've never prophesied. I've never laid hands on a sick person. I've never spoken tongues. Receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It will kickstart the gifts of God in your life. You can stay where you're at, but God has more for you. You want to change the world? This is the power that changes the world. I know it's not seeker sensitive. Aren't you glad you didn't invite your friends today? Great. I don't understand. I don't understand how we think. We think we're more clever than God. We think we have to tone down the Holy Spirit so people will come to Jesus. That doesn't make sense. You're, cl- you know what? So what we do is we produce a lot of false converts. So when it gets tough or difficult, or when the Holy Ghost shows up, they're like, "Oh, I'm out." It's like, why are we hiding our cards? This is the best thing we got. I know that people have gotten weird. I'm not talking about being weird for the sake of being weird. 
But can I tell you, we are dealing with the supernatural. We are dealing with God who is holy. You know what holy means? It means he's uncommon. He's different. It's going to be weird. Now, we're not pursuing weird. We're pursuing him. But he's totally different than anything that you know. It's weird when someone comes to you and they read your mail and they're like, you know, you woke up this morning at 5.55 this morning and you had, your stomach was kind of hurting and God wants to eat. That's weird. In the natural. But it's supernatural. It seems weird that God would heal you and he didn't need, he didn't need a doctor to do it. That seems weird to us because we've so mystified the Holy Spirit and put him in a closet. But you can expect more tangibles in your life. You want to, we were talking about that earlier. You want to experience the presence of God in your home, in your prayer times? You want to experience the Lord? You want more tangibles? You want to hear from the Lord? You want to see signs, miracles, and wonders? Baptism of the Holy Spirit is what you need. Number two, you can expect more fervency and passion. Excuse me. If you would say, you know, I'm just not really that passionate for God. I'm just really not, you know, man, I wish I was more passionate for Jesus. Receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, I did. Well, receive more. Because you can get more. It's in. God has an unending funnel of fire pouring from heaven. You want it? You can have it. The problem is, and let me just say this. If you want a nice little packaged orderly Christianity, then don't seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But if you refuse to be satisfied in your zeal for the Lord, then make a decision right now to never live without it. God, I'll never, I'll never live with the, without the filling of your spirit. I want to be filled with the spirit every day, all day. Amen. Don't live without it. So you can expect more tangibles. You can expect more fervency and passion. Number three, you can expect more courage and boldness. I was so timid when I came to Jesus when I was 18 years old. I was so timid about my faith. I wouldn't talk to my friends. And I went to a church that, man, there was, we talked about what I'm talking about today every week. It seemed like maybe it was God just saying, you want this? And I was like, yes, I do. I do. And I pursued it for like four or five months. But I tell you, when I got baptized of the Holy Spirit, on July the 4th, 1993, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit that Sunday night, I tell you what, a boldness came upon me and it's never left. And I, you know, I was, I was not the most bold person. I was kind of timid. I would never get up on a platform like this and preach like I, like I preach week in, week out. Not a chance in the natural that I would do that. Not a chance. I mean, I might have got up and kind of talked and hoop haul and roar. But there was a shyness and a bashfulness. When I got filled with the Holy Spirit, there was a courage and a boldness that came upon me. A passion for God. Acts chapter 4.31, it says this, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Listen, when you were, if you say, oh man, I, I want to talk to my friends. If you like, even if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, ask the Lord for more. Man, I just wish I was more courageous. I wish I wasn't so bashful. Receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, I already have. Receive more. Y'all okay? You know, the thing I love about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because we can see what it, the transforming power that it has. These guys were already following Jesus, but they were so screwed up. I mean, we, we think about Peter, we're like, oh yeah, Peter. We always keep him in the context before Pentecost, right? We think about Thomas before Pentecost. 
We think about these guys that all of them like scattered and ran when Jesus got crucified. You know what they did with their baptized of the Holy Spirit? They took the gospel to the nations. Doubting Thomas, who we call Doubting Thomas, was speared through his body, through his rectum, through his skull. Why? Because he was filled with the Spirit of God. It gave him that courage, that boldness, where he was doubting in one minute, now he was declaring. Peter, who couldn't even talk to one person, they were like, weren't you one of his followers? I can tell by your accent. He was like, no, no, I don't know the man. In the book of Acts, he stands up with 3,000 people that might take his life, and he stands up and he preaches the gospel fearlessly, and they get saved. What was the difference? The difference was he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. It wasn't that he just said a little sinner's prayer. But the greatest thing that you can experience by being baptized with the Holy Spirit is this, and this is where we're going to spend our time today, is more power. Amen. More power. You want the power of God in your life? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, I know a lot of well-meaning Christians that are good people and they're disciplined and they have a nice little packaged devotional life and, you know, they don't, they don't cuss at people when they pass them in traffic and cut them off. And I mean, they're like good citizens and they keep their yard mowed and they raise their kids. I mean, they're just like really, really nice people. But there's like, there's no power in their life. And they're saved and they're going to heaven and they, it's good, but it's like they have no power. And then you have other people that they want the baptism of the Holy Spirit because they want it to just make their experience better. Listen, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not to simply enhance our experience, but to maximize our effectiveness. So God gave you power by the Holy Spirit, not just to speak in tongues or not just to heal the sick. He he gave you the power, Jesus says in Acts 1.8, to be witnesses on the earth. See, there's two Greek words that I'm going to cover. There's actually nine, but the two most common Greek words... For power, or this, first word is exousia. Everybody say exousia. Exousia has to do with authority, okay? It's a police officer has authority because he has a badge, right? Okay, exousia. Exousia has to do with your identity. First, uh, I'm sorry, John chapter one, verse 12. Yet all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right. Everybody say exousia, the right, the power to become children of God. When we came to Jesus, we became a child of God. You weren't a child of God before that, but when you came to Jesus, he gave you the exousia, the badge. I'm a child of God. You're a child of God. I am a child of God, right? He gave you that authority. You can say that. You can declare that. That's great. It's awesome. It's our identity. He gave us access to approach God the Father. However, When we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, again, the second experience in our journey, we receive what's called dunamis. Now, it's not spelled dunamis. It's spelled dynamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. It's combustion. It's explosive power. So you have the dunamis. I am a child of God. And then you have, that was exousia. Then you have dunamis, which is explosive power. So I have the badge. Now I am arresting people. Now I'm writing tickets. So you can go around all the time saying, I'm a child of God, child of God, child of God. Dunamis gives you the power to function like a child of God. Are you okay? So with exousia, we have authority. Dunamis, we exercise that authority. Exousia has to do with right. Dunamis has to do with might. Exousia has to do with identification. Dunamis has to do with demonstration. Understand? You're a child of God. 
You're no better than any other child of God. However, you can exercise your right by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can exercise your right to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to to overthrow nations. Come on. To heal the broken. You have that authority. Paul says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's dunamis, Spirit's power. So it's not because I was clever. I'm a child of God, so I'm so smart. The mind of Christ, so I'm so smart. No, no, no. That's great. You are. But a demonstration of the power of the Spirit. Everybody say demonstrate. demonstrate. Like I demonstrated how powerful that speaker was right there because I came over here and I got up under it. Listen, when you get under the power, when you get under the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life, you will function in power. Now, understand that this is the power to be a witness. Everybody say a witness. witness. Now, it's not the power to witness. Now, you can't, you can't be a witness without witnessing. Right? So it doesn't necessarily mean that now all of a sudden I'm going to stand on the preach corner, uh, the, the street corner, and preach. Preach corner? You can't street on the preach corner? How much wine have you been drinking? Drunk as you suppose. All right. But listen. Okay. The spirit. All right. Are you ready? So it's the power to be a witness, not just to witness but to be a witness. The scripture tells us this, that, we, that the spirit bears witness with our spirit. Right? So when we bear the witness of the spirit, we bear the witness of the spirit. When it's in us, it becomes, we become like its influence. Y'all okay with that? So you have the power to be a witness. How many of you know you can't be a witness if you're living dominated by the devil? If you're not living in victory, if you're struggling with sin all the time, you're not a very good witness. You're like, oh man, God loves you. Give me another hit. Come on, let's just be real. People would be like, I thought you said you serve God. Like you're not, you're not being a witness. You're witnessing. You're talking about something, but you're not experiencing it. Right? How many of you know that whenever you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you can actually be a witness. So you do have the power to overcome sin. Why do you have the power to overcome sin? So you can be a witness. The Holy Spirit, listen, the baptism of the Holy Spirit isn't so you can come in and get chill bumps. We love that. It's great. It's not just so you can speak in tongues. We love that. That's great. But it's so you have the power to take the gospel to the nations. The power to overcome. And listen, mostly the power to function like Jesus. And I'm not talking about what would Jesus do being a good citizen right? Because sometimes he overthrew tables, right? Not just talking about the power to keep your lawn mowed and your kids behaving. That too, but we're talking about miracle working power of Jesus. Listen, John 14, we love this verse. I tell you the truth. Anyone has faith in me will do what I've been doing. Yeah. Then he says this, he will do even greater things than these. We love that verse. We're going to do greater things than Jesus. Now, Jesus isn't talking, when he's talking about greater, he's not talking about depth of greater. 
He's talking about width of greater. He's not talking about more powerful. He's talking about more vast. Why? Because there's one Jesus, 12 disciples, 120 in the upper room, and then more and more people. So we have more influence, right? So he speaks of the greater work. He's saying that there'll be more work going on on the earth because, why? I go to the Father. What happened when we went to the Father? When we went to the Father, 10 days later, he baptized us in the Holy Spirit. So the way that you are advancing the greater works of Jesus is through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Y'all okay today? Listen, we have the same dunamis that Jesus had. Listen to me. You have the same dunamis that Jesus had if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. The same power that Jesus had we have. Now your assignment's different, a little different than his, right? Jesus already died on the cross. Jesus forgives sins. He's God. We don't have that assignment. But to do what he did, the miracles he did, the words that he spoke, the life that he brought, we have that power. We have the same dunamis as Jesus, not to accomplish what Jesus did through the cross. That's already been done. It don't need to be done again, but to continue his ministry. See, Jesus gave his ministry away. He gave his ministry to 12 guys. Scripture says this, that they turned the world upside down. The world was turning them upside down. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. Now they're turning the world upside down. That was, people were accusing them of that. We have the power to transform the world. Well, God has the power. He's put it in us. God uses his church. Check this out. Acts 10, 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went about doing good and healing all. Everybody say all. all. Who were oppressed by the power of the devil because God was with him. How did Jesus do those things? It says right there, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit. Y'all okay? This is, a, this is just a Bible. not getting weird. Listen, the baptism of the Holy Spirit imparts the governing power of the kingdom. God governs the earth through the Holy Spirit in his church. And I, I mentioned this before, but in 1993, I had moved to my dad. For, it's awesome that you're here today, dad. Um, a, couple year, a couple years before that, I moved into my dad, and it took two years I mean, he was dragging me to church. We were, in those days, we were in church three days a week at minimum. Um, and I was in a relationship. My, our youth pastor was dying. All this kind of stuff was happening in my life. I was, I was playing the church game. I was going to church on Sundays, but I wasn't living for God. Like my lifestyle didn't matter. I would go to church and I'd raise my hands and I talked and, you know, I'd go and I'd share in the youth group. And I, man, I was playing the game. Like I knew what everybody was doing. And then in 1993, when I was a senior in high school, I was, there was a girl, we were, we were driving in my car and there was a girl in our back seat and she said this statement. She said, we were, we're cruising the drag. Did y'all ever do that as a kid? They had a, like, it wasn't really a drag, but we called it the drag. It was the drag, um, a drag. Um, so we're, and she's like, she's like, Josh, you're totally different than you are at church. Cause I was acting like a heathen and she, at church I acted like a super Christian. And so I was just, I'm so dead. 
at that moment, I was like, I'm, I'm done. Either I'm going to serve God or I'm not going to serve God. And I said, I'm going to serve God. And so my girlfriend that I broke up with, she had given me a Bible. It was an NIV. I'd had a, new, a King James Bible that I couldn't read because I didn't understand the thus and the thous and the thusachs and all that kind of stuff. It wasn't a Hebrew, it was, but it might as well have been. But so I was reading this NIV Bible and God got a hold of my heart. I used to listen to worship music every night, like during this season of like three months. I was like, okay, God, I'm going to go after you. Like, I know what to do. I know how to do it because I've been listening to it for two years. My dad was doing it. He was teaching me and the people at church were teaching me and I had all these people pouring in my life. I was like, okay, God, I know what to do. So I had this like, you know, cassette player and on those, it, y'all know, how many of y'all know what a Walkman is? And so I put, the, they had a thing called a cassette and I put the cassette in there and I'd flip it on this button that said repeat and, I, and I'd listen to it and I'd read the word and I just read what God thought about me and I just read God's heart and I was going to church and I was learning all this stuff and and so at our church we were really experiencing a renewal like God is really doing a lot of great stuff in our church my dad was a worship pastor worship leader they didn't even call it worship pastor worship they called them like song leaders or something back in those days of course now we always like fancy titles but um, so I we were it was a it was a so I was pursuing this thing that they were speaking of called the baptism of the Holy Spirit which we're, we're talking about today and there was, uh, I was like, man, I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Like, I wasn't going to tell anybody, but I was like, oh, man, I want that. Because I, I had gotten saved. Like, over this, I was like, God, I'm going to pursue you. So the Lord got a hold of me. And I was like, secretly, I was like, man, I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want the power of God in my life. Like, I was like so eager to get it. But I wasn't like willing to like put myself on the line and let anybody know I didn't have it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was just kind of bashful. I don't have it. You know, they're like, raise your hand. I'm like. You know, I'm not saying like I was real bashful that I hadn't received the baptism because it was like, it was like, it was a big deal. Like they did this every service. So on Sunday mornings we had church and on Sunday nights we had church, if you remember that. And uh, there was this guy in our church, his name was Ken Light. And he was, I mean, he would, if you think Pentecostal, that's what he was. And so him and his wife, they were kind of like, uh, they were like really into stuff. Everybody else is like, yeah, we're into the stuff, but they were like a little bit really into it. And so, but there was a Sunday night. It was July 4th. I, I'd been saved. I'm pursuing the Lord. God had actually already called me into ministry, but I've been, I've been seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was like, Lord, I want this experience. I want to experience what they experienced in Acts 2. I want to, I want to, and, and in our church, it was like, you knew you were baptized with the Holy Spirit if you spoke in tongues. Like when you got baptized with the Holy Spirit, you start speaking in tongues. And I think for the most part, that's true. I'm not going to say you don't have the Holy Spirit if you don't speak in tongues, but I'm going to say, how do you know you have it or not? Well, there you go. And so that was a good indicator. So they're like, that's the evidence. So I was like, Lord, I want to speak in tongues. And he's like, well, it's not about speaking in tongues. Because listen, speaking in tongues, this is the deal. Speaking in tongues, if you ordered chicken fried steak, it's going to come with mashed potatoes and gravy. Almost always. It's going to come that way. Word, come on. How many of y'all hungry? I know, slate. Speaking in tongues is like the mashed potatoes and gravy that come with your chicken fried steak. You get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Tongues is it's like the mashed potatoes. You don't want to eat it without it, right? And so I'm in this service, and they do the service. I mean, it's July 4th. I'm like, and they're like, who wants to get baptized with the Holy Spirit? So this is this guy, Ken Lott. He's making, he's, every week, he's like, come on, God, feel with the Holy Ghost. I'm like, oh, I want to, but I'm too scared. So that Sunday, I was like, that's it. I'm going. And so I went up front. I'm laying hands, raised my hands. They're like, lift your hands. I'm like, oh, God. That one person yelling in my ear, let go. And the other person yelling in the other ear, 
hold on. And Ken Light's in front of me going, come on, Lord, fill him, fill him, fill him, fill him. He goes, this real fiery guy. You know, he's kind of, kind of a chubby kind of old school preacher. He's like, fill him, Lord, fill him, fill him. You know, doing all this like crazy charismatic stuff, which is awesome. And, uh, and I was like, yeah. They're like, yeah, kind of like you. Yeah. And so he's like, he's just like praying for me. I'm like, oh, yeah, fill me with the Holy Spirit. And then I felt this like stirring in my heart. And I was like, I think that I'm supposed to say that word, but it doesn't sound like tongues. It sounds like some gibberish or, you know, I'm like, well, this guy's been speaking in tongues for like 30 years. And so it sounds totally different than my little two-year-old speaking. You know, you speak English when you're 20. Most of us are different than we do when we're three. And so I was thinking, well, it's got to sound like that. And so, I, but I was like, I feel like saying this. So I just said this little word. I don't even remember what it was. And I just spoke this word. And when I spoke that word, it was like, this river started pouring out of my, and I felt this fire going into my heart. And can I tell you today, for 30 years, for not 30 years, for 20 years, where am I? How old are you? For, for over 20 years, for 20, for over 20 years, I've had this fire burning in my heart that started at that moment. But I pursued it. I had to go after it. It was awkward. It was a little bit embarrassing, but I received it. And I'm telling you, today I still have a prayer language. I pray for people they've gotten healed, right? I've prophesied. Why? Because I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because I'm better than anybody else? No, it's just I asked the Lord for more and he gave me more. That's just what he does. So how do you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Real quick. Number one, you open your heart to it. You say, oh, you just open your heart. Say, okay. You know, I haven't really believed in that thing. It's kind of a little bit weird, but I'll open my heart to it. You be vulnerable to it. It's just the way anything is with God. The second thing you do is you ask, seek, and knock. Notice I didn't just say ask. Notice I just didn't say seek or knock. You ask, seek, and knock. And we take this, you know, I know that makes a really nice little Hobby Lobby, you know, uh, family Christian bookstore plaque or Pinterest thing, ask, seek, and knock, because we use that to apply for every prayer. I get that. And that's taken from Luke 11. But Jesus says this. He says, your father's good, right? Like, yeah. And he's like, your father has good gifts. And Jesus specifically in that context is talking about a gift, not just all the gifts. He's talking about a gift. He's talking about the gift of the father, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Go and read it. It's what he's talking about right there in Luke chapter 11. So he says, if you ask the father, for bread, is he going to give you a stone? If you ask a father for fish, is he going to give you a snake? No. Is he going to give you something weird or break your teeth or be dangerous to your health? He's like, your father being, is, if your earthly father knows how to give good gifts to his children, how much more than your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit, that's exactly what he says, how much more the father will give the Holy Spirit of those that you that ask. And then he says this, ask, seek, knock, and you'll get it. The door will be opened. That word in the, in the, translated, if you go back and you look at it in the Greek, it means ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking. The door will be open and you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. The door of heaven, the window of heaven will be open and you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. For me, it was four months. Most of it because I, it was over mystified. Right? It was like, you gotta wait and you gotta... When it was poured down, everybody at that point in the book of Acts was filled immediately every time they prayed. So we don't have to wait 10 days in a room. But you keep seeking. You don't get disappointed. And the third thing that you do is you just receive. You just receive the Holy Spirit. It's just like if David over here was like, 
Pastor Josh, I, 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 I want a gift from you. What do you want? What do you want? I, w- I, want five, I want a $5 gift card from you. Okay, okay. Okay, David. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, here's a $5 gift card. Here's a five. And I'm g- trying to give him the gift card, but if he don't reach out his hand and take it, he doesn't receive the gift. You've got to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not going to happen to you. And that's what I was wanting. So for four months, I was going, well, if the Lord wants me filled with the Holy Spirit, he's just going to have to do it. when nobody else is around. So my prayer language is refined so people will think I've been, you know, I'm super spiritual. Of course, we didn't have great community and all that kind of stuff to just be vulnerable to those deals, those issues. This is what it says in, in Psalm 81. And this, this is our closing scripture and we're gonna pray. I know we went long today, but listen. He says this, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Open your mouth wide, wide, be open, and I will fill it. I don't know why most of the time that people get baptized with the Holy Spirit, they speak in tongues. I don't know why, but if you look through the book of Acts, almost every single time you see it, but you always see them speaking in tongues later. It's just something that, like I said, it's just mashed potatoes. Mashed potatoes just comes when you order chicken fried steak. It's just what happens. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not mashed potatoes. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the steak. You'll get tongues with it. It's great. If it don't happen today, then we'll just keep pursuing it, and it'll come. Desire the gifts. All the gifts. Eagerly desire that you prophesy. All right. So, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed I want to ask you today that question. Let's, can we just stand up? Let's just stand up. I ask you this question today. Have you received the Holy Spirit, the baptism and fire, the fire of the Holy Spirit since you believed?